You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Good morning. My name is Andy. I'm Connections Pastor here at Kingsway. And if you know anything about me, I love free stuff and cheap stuff. I love it. And so when I worked for Fellowship of Christian Athletes before I came here to Kingsway, they would have these clothing sales. They had great deals with Columbia and other like really nice brands. And so we'd get like really nice polos for cheap. And, and I'd buy the camp shirts after FCA had their summer camps. And so I bought this one um, a few summers ago before I came to Kingsway because it was a good deal. And I was super excited. And then I, I, I was trying it on and I wore it and I looked at the back and on the back, it says, athlete. <laughs> well, I never went to the FCA camps. <laughs> I might have been an athlete a long time ago, but I'm not an athlete today. And so as I was thinking about this series, this message today, I thought of this shirt because I would wear the FCA athlete shirt, but I'm not an athlete. And it made me think about Christians in our society today who might say they're a Christian, but are they really just wearing the shirt? Has there ever been a moment in their life where they've encountered Jesus and surrendered their lives to him? And so we're talking about testimonies today, our stories, whether we're wearing the shirt that says Christian or if we're actually a Christian. In fact, there's a study from 2022 from Pew Research Center that said 64% of Americans call themselves Christians. 64% of Americans call themselves Christians. Now, as I look around our nation, I don't see the fruit from 64% of our people living out their Christianity. So what sets true followers of Jesus apart? What, what is it that makes a Christian a Christian? I would argue there's lots of things we could see in someone's life to know that they're a Christian just from the outside looking in. Obviously, Jesus knows our heart. He understands and knows who his sheep are and whose sheep aren't. We see that in the New Testament. But we could look at the fruit in somebody's life. If somebody is exhibiting a supernatural love, an unearthly joy, they're just so joyful all the time. Or perhaps they have a peace that just doesn't make sense. It passes any kind of understanding we might have. Well, I can see that God is working in their life. They've given their life to Jesus. They're a Christian. I'd also say if we see a truly changed person, they were like this, but man, they're different now. And it's in such a sweet, good, pleasing, wonderful way. They're probably a Christian. Jesus is probably the one that has changed them. There's something about being set apart we see in the Bible as well. This word holy comes up a lot, which really just means set apart. They're different. And the world gravitates towards their differences because they want to be like that person. They want to have that self-control or that joy. Or the world pushes completely away from that person because there is evil in the world. And they just cannot be a part of goodness, of righteousness, of true love. I'm sure there's many things that identify us as Christians. Maybe you're thinking of some as well. But one word just keeps coming back to me, that word testimony. Christians have a testimony. They're not just wearing the shirt that says Christian, but they've actually surrendered their lives and Jesus is changing them. Are you a Christian? We're kicking off this new series, Available, the idea that when we're simply available, we present to God what we have, he does something with it. 
And so those of us who have been changed by Jesus, every single one of us have a story. We have a testimony. Even those of you like me that grew up in the church and maybe don't have a dramatic conversion. But when I look back, I'm different than I was then because Jesus is changing me. I'm becoming more like Jesus. That's our mission here at Kingsway, and we're trying to let him live through us in that. And I think that testimony is a way we can see who really is a Christian. First Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asked you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do you have hope? Is that hope in Jesus? Look at this next line. Do this with gentleness and respect. I think that's an important line to the end of that verse in First Peter. Psalm 107.2 backs it up. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. On Monday, I did this. I, I, I revisited my story. There, I, there's a video from our time in Lima, Ohio, before we got here. And so I was able to watch that. Maybe you don't have a video of your life, but maybe you have Facebook memories. Or perhaps on your OneDrive, every once in a while, pictures pop up from the past. Or maybe you have an old school picture album or a journal. Or maybe you can just have a conversation with somebody. Just remember who you were and who you are now. And write it down. Write down the highlights. If you have been saved by Jesus, renewed, transformed, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you have a story that makes a difference in this world. You make a difference in this world by partnering with Jesus and what he's done in your life. It might not be a New York Times bestseller. Might not be made into a Hallmark movie, though none of those are true anyway. But your story is. Your story's true, and your story can help change someone's life. Do you really believe that? Will you consider that over the next 25, 30 minutes, that your story can make a difference in someone's life? What if I told you your story can not only make a difference, but it's powerful, just like the blood of Jesus is powerful? How would you react to that? I would say no. <laughs> I mean, Jesus' blood, we'll talk more about what that means in a minute, but that's, that's powerful, that saves me. And, and my story, well, it's, it's good, but it can't be on the same level, can it? Let's open our Bibles to Revelation 12, chapter, verses 10 and 11. They're in front of you if you want, or you can open a device. It's also gonna be on your screens here. For those of you who don't know about Revelation, some of you might have, your ears perked up. You're like, all right, we're doing Revelation, let's go. And some of you are like, oh no, oh no, oh, we don't want to do that. Because Revelation, it can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. Revelation's a book, last book in the Bible, and many scholars have, have different theories on it and different views on it. It's poetic, it's prophetic. And yet Shane Wood, a Bible college professor at Ozark Christian College, tells us Revelation is a letter. It's a letter to seven churches in Asia Minor. And so we can think of it, even in its uniqueness, as a letter like Galatians or Ephesians or Corinthians. And so we can learn from it just like those seven churches learned from it today. It's not scary. We don't have to understand it all but we can still learn from it. And so chapter 12, verse 10, begins by saying, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, and we're gonna stop there, <laughs> because we, we wanna know what's going on here. And so 
This is not a man's thoughts. This is John, we believe, the author of Revelation, hearing from heaven. He has this vision. And so he is not, he's not giving his opinion on it. He's not saying, well, this is what this means and this applies to this. He's simply stating to us, this is what I heard. And he is giving us a glimpse into the heavenly realms, something we don't see on a daily basis here. And so we wanna, we wanna, we wanna look, we wanna listen. He's like a reporter without an agenda, telling us exactly what he hears. We're looking into heaven with John. There's gravity there. So it says, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. As I read this, my first question was, who's the they? Am I the they? Are you the they? Who's the they? Let's see what it says. It seems like we are, as Christians, the they. It says the enemy, Satan, has accused, has persecuted, has gone against they, them, us. There's an enemy that we don't see, but is very real. It was targeting you, targeting your family, targeting this church, targeting churches that follow Jesus. He's doing anything to distract, to kick you off course. He's trying to infiltrate your marriage. He's trying to get in your kids' lives. Do you ever feel that gravity? And how much do, you, do we believe that as Christians? A lot of times we're on one extreme or the other. We put way too much authority and give the devil too much credit. And other times we just ignore him completely. There's a great book that me and a couple guys are reading called Defending Your Marriage by Tim Muehlhoff that really dives into the balance of what it means to be aware of the spiritual battle, this unseen world that is happening the same time our seen world is, how they intersect or don't intersect, and how we have to fight for our marriage, how we have to fight for the ones we love. Highly recommend the book. And this passage shows that very real battle. Here's why it matters to us. Not because we're studying Revelation, but because we see two things win the battle. Did you notice them? When I'm playing a board game, I love board games. Catan's one of my favorites. And my 13-year-old son kills me, and then he won't play again. (laughs) So he beats me, and I'm like, I need a rematch. He's like, nope, we're done. And it drives me crazy because I think I have a good strategy, but he has a better one. He's researched and he understands things and he leaves out details that I need to know. (laughs) But when we're playing a game, number one, I need to figure out how to win. And number two, what's my strategy to get there? And so if the Bible tells us a strategy to win the battle, shouldn't we read it? Shouldn't we be suited up and armored and ready to go? Well, that's what verse 11 says. Two things win the battle. How do we triumph? The the words John heard straight from heaven. So good authority. They're these. The blood of the lamb. We triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Now the blood of Jesus, and this is the gospel in 30 seconds, is really powerful. In Jewish tradition, 
they would bring a lamb, a perfect lamb, to sacrifice for their sins so that they would be forgiven. And that perfect lamb represented perfect blood because life throws, flows through the blood. When our blood stops, we die. But there's life in the blood. And so this lamb represented a future lamb, the lamb of God, Jesus, who would come and his perfect blood would be sacrificed for us. And so his blood defeats the enemy in death. And the word of our testimony, that's right there next to it. This is what heaven is telling us. This is powerful. You can make a difference in someone's life when you're partnered with the blood of Jesus. Wow, God, are you sure? The Greek word for testimony refers to something said in a court of law or by historian. They're important facts that impact lives. And these testimonies of these Christians who've been accused before God by the enemy, along with Jesus' blood, overcome. You are inflicting damage on the enemy. Your testimony helps defeat the enemy. So are you sharing it? It's an easy question. It's not an easy answer. You might be new to Kingsway and Faith, and if so, we're so glad you're here. So we're talking about stories. You have a story. I have a story. We all have stories. We love stories. That's why we binge watch so many different things. We want to know somebody's story. And you might be wondering, what exactly is someone's testimony when it comes to faith? I understand when it comes to something like in a courtroom or a historian, but, but what about faith? What's that mean? Well, to me, there's really three parts to a story, a testimony. The first part is who you were before you met God. A lot of bad stuff, probably, in your life. You were self-centered, things like that. Then the second part is when you met Jesus and you gave your life to him. You repented of those things. You said, God, I want to change, but I can't do it on my own. You need to change me. Wash me clean. And the third part is what's happening now for Christians. He is refining us. He is making us more like Jesus, God is. And that's our purpose here at Kingsway, to become more like Jesus every day. My friend Brian Hyland's in my Wednesday morning men's group. And I've known Brian a couple of years now since he's come to Kingsway, and I got to know his story. And I said, Brian, would you mind sharing who you were before you met God, how you met Jesus, and how he's changing you? Take a look with me at his story. It was my freshman year in high school. Um, I was waiting to get picked up after football practice and there was a Campus Crusade for Christ uh, meeting on the bleachers next to me and they invited me to a youth group. As much as I wanted people around me, I ended up basically everything I did was for me. It wasn't a vindictive thing, but I, I, I did realize that a lot of what I did was very selfish. I was a very angry person to the point where my, my own family walked on needles, barely wanted me around. Um, it was extremely lonely. And what's interesting is, you know, I craved attention. I had this hole I wanted to fill with something. And all I did was just kept pushing people away and making that hole bigger and trying to fill it with, you know, anything from the world that was around. Met my ex-wife and we ended up having two children. I really wanted that to work. I was really trying. But again, I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know how to be in a relationship. I went into it thinking our jobs are to make each other happy and full rather than, you know, what a relationship is. And um, 
I was horrible. There were many times where I was told I couldn't come home, I had to sleep in my truck in the parking lot at work. Um, and rightly so. And I still remember sitting at the end of the street, watching her. And my kids just walk out and then I have to walk back in the house just completely alone. And the one thing I always wanted to be was a better father. I never had a father, no one to show me what right or wrong, have the tough conversations. And we had had a rocky relationship um, many times. He had written me a letter, told me I was dead to him. Um, he told me he loved me. We had a minor disagreement and I haven't spoke with him since. He hung up the phone on me and so I knew I didn't want to be that. And I walked back in the house, basically having a conversation with myself, saying it's time to change. Like you just lost everything that you ever wanted because you're too foolish, too prideful to, 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 to work on it and, and change. I did start going back to church, but it really just didn't land. I mean, I, I you know, you would feel the, the initial rush after a really good service and you're like, but it, it really didn't last past Monday, right? Like you would get it and it, it really didn't last. I still remember sitting in church, um, they had an open baptism. I just started weeping and like uncontrollably weeping. And um, got up and when got baptized, everything really changed from then is realizing that I can't do it myself. Um, I've tried and tried and tried, but I can, I can fix anything, but I can't fix my heart myself only God could do it and the Bible started to make more sense and the scripture did and just something felt lighter I'm in um, a men's group uh, of Kingsway and one after the other just kind of continued to bring up the struggles that they had with their own father and how difficult that was and it was overwhelming because all these guys were kind of coming up and being vulnerable and talking about that but it was also so comforting because everybody's got ups and downs and it's okay and and you need people to help you through it and and and, and it's so important to have that group I'm, i don't know where i'd be without that group it's been a journey and i can't put my finger on very specific things but what i do know is that from those bleachers to today god's never stopped pursuing me Isn't that a beautiful testimony? Did you hear how Brian was? I can't even imagine an angry Brian. Like his anger problems that he talks about, that's not who he is today. Because he intersected Jesus. He gave his life to Jesus. He was baptized. And now he's letting God take the wheel. It's a beautiful story. And did you hear him say, I heard other guys telling their story first. And that gave me confidence that I could. And then Brian went through Rooted in January, in February, and March. And during Rooted, you get to share your story with a small group. It can be intimidating, it can be scary, but you get to know these people and really bond with them. And it's just a beautiful experience. And so I'm so proud of, just, just to know Brian as a friend. And I love that he was willing to share his story with us today because everybody loves a great story. Everyone loves a good story. And I promise you have one. 
You have a good story. Even if you don't think you do, you're different today if you've been with Jesus. You just are. He can't help but change people. He can't help it. Everyone has a good story. And I love sharing mine. I love that my story is continuing. There's a guy named Anthony Walker who's a pastor in Tennessee. He's got a great video online. You can check it out. Anthony Walker's his name. Uh, but he says, think about who you was and who you are now. Who you was and who you are now. You want to have a was testimony. I was blind, but now I see. I was selfish, but now I think of others before myself. I was prideful. I was lost. I was a liar, but now I'm found. I'm in truth. He calls it good theology, bad grammar, a was testimony. So think about who you was this week, who you were. Write it down. Are you a Christian with a story? Are you just wearing a shirt that says Christian, but you really haven't given your life to Jesus? That's what I want you to wrestle with today. Now, if you have a story, look for ways to share it. We're going to unpack that the rest of the way here this morning because the Apostle Paul gives us a beautiful template of how to share your story. We see three times in the book of Acts that he is sharing his story with people that generally don't like him. He's been captured. He's been put before the authorities. And his first reaction is, I got to tell people about Jesus. Now, you might be th sitting there thinking, he's Paul. <laughs> Of course he's going to share with, with people his story. He's Paul. I'm not. But you know what? I, I've done some research. Paul was born just like we were. Paul eats or ate food. He drank water. He breathed the air. He had to sleep. And Paul died. Paul's a human. Paul's a man. And yes, he did amazing things by the work of the Holy Spirit. But you and I are just like Paul. We're men and women who Jesus is pursuing, who has bought with a price, and we have a story to tell just like Paul does. So let's take a look. And I've got an, I've got an acronym for you because I need that to remember, and so I thought it might be helpful to you as well. Be Real is our acronym, Be Real. And so we're going to look at the letters R-E-A-L, and we're going to start with R. The first thing Paul does is he relates to his audience, he relates. And we can do this by listening first and then sharing. When you're sharing your testimony, you need to relate with somebody. And so Acts chapter 22 is one of the three times Paul shares his story in Acts. That's what we're gonna be looking at. Verse one, it says, brothers and fathers. Now this is a mob basically that has handed him over to the authorities. He's about to be in big trouble or at least be you know, prosecuted. And he says, wait, wait, one thing, let me share with them. And so he, he gets this audience with these people that don't like him. They think he's wrong. And he says, brothers and fathers, listen to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. They were just unruly. They were just mobbing. They were just ready to have him killed. And this makes them quiet because Aramaic was their language. That was the vernacular of Palestinian Jews rather than a Greek language. And so he is telling his audience right off the bat, I am one of you. I speak your language. And so it works. <laughs> they listen. They're, they're willing to pause from their animosity and wait. What if in our discussions with people on social media, in real life, whatever that looks like, what if we could make them pause by relating to them? What if they actually listened? Verse 3. 
Paul said, I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. He's relating to them. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. You see him building that bridge? It's such an effective social tactic that we don't see being used a lot in this day and age. It's so easy for us to look for differences between ourselves, our neighbor, our coworker, our family member. Let's instead look for ways to relate. Paul could have easily critiqued things about the differences in their lives, and he, he does do that throughout the New Testament, but in this moment, he realizes this might be the only time I have to tell them about Jesus. And so I want to use every tool available to share my story. I need them to listen. I have this moment in time. I need to use it. And the same might be true for you. There, there's people in your life that might not hear about Jesus from anyone but you. Are you building a bridge to allow them to hear and to listen? So Paul begins by relating. That's the R and R, be real. The second thing, E, encourage. Look at the end of verse three. It's a line that could easily be overlooked, but I believe it's an important encouragement that he is giving to his audience and that we can give to our audiences as well. Encouragement. He says, I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. Now, what does zealous mean? Well, I think of sports fans when I think of zealous because dictionary.com says showing great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. Do we have any soccer fans, football fans in the house? They love their teams, right? They love their sport. Any Browns fans? I know Matt's gone. Okay. I'm a Steelers fan. You hear zealous. You hear zealous. Thank you. Yeah. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about zealous. You are just so passionate for something. And these folks were passionate for, for a good thing. They were passionate for God. And I think Paul is encouraging them because he says, you're doing a good thing. You're zealous for God. I get it. I am too. Your motivation's right. Well done, friends. You want to be zealous for God. What if God is already working in those who don't know him yet? You are already zealous for God. You just got to step over and realize Jesus is the Savior. And once you do that, you're going to be huge in ministering to other people. You have a gift. Paul meets them there. He encourages them there. I know in my life when someone speaks encouragement to me, I had it just happen between services. A guy was walking out the door, heard me say something, came back and said, I want to encourage you in that, that you, and he went into something really cool. What if we encourage people first? What if we'd speak the good in their lives first and we don't look for those differences? So Paul relates, he encourages, and then we move to the A, you actually have to share. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, a testimony cannot just be you and God, that's a prayer. A testimony is when you are speaking to somebody else. I guess it could be your pet, but let's not do that. Like we could practice in front of our dog or cat. I love my cat, he's a cool dude, but... Like, it's not a testimony. A testimony is when you're actually sharing with somebody else. And so many times, God will bring us to that place. We've, we've sowed the seed. We've gotten it ready. And we stop. When Jesus is saying, just tell them the good part, how I changed you. Yeah, we actually have to share. Think about Brian's story. So powerful. And what if he just would have stopped before he shared about 
that open invitation to be baptized, that's not a very good story. Remember our passage in, in Revelation? We defeat the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We're actually sharing how God has changed us. We're testifying. We're speaking out loud about who God is and the goodness of God and his love and his faithfulness and how we've seen that present in our lives, in our family's lives. I have two friends, two good friends that are wonderful Christian men. One grew up in the faith. The other came to faith later in life. And the one who grew up in the faith, he was talking to me one day about, about his friend, the other guy, we're all friends. And he said, you know, you know, some of the greatest evidence for God is that guy. And I said, why? And he said, you don't know that guy before he met Jesus. He was angry and he was mean. I didn't want to be around him. But when he met Jesus, he is a different person. That's some of the greatest proof I have that God is real because he has changed his life. What if people said that about you? That your story shows them God. I encourage you to go home and read Paul's story. Make it your Bible study for the week. It's Acts 22. You can read the whole thing. It's powerful. It's dramatic. It's amazing. It shows us what God can do with somebody's story. You know, we're talking about be real here, and I got to share this with some of our staff on Tuesday. We get to just kind of prepare, and they give feedback, and we can change things, tweak things. It's super helpful to me since I don't get to speak a whole lot, and it was great. And Joe Malley, our kids' pastor, was sitting right down here, and we got to the end, and they were giving feedback, and Joe said, I was waiting for you to get to the Be Real app. Be Real app. Is that what you were thinking about? And I said, what is the Be Real app? because I'm officially old and I don't know, all the kids know about their apps and all those things. And he said, it's this app that you can download, it's social media, and once a day, it's time. It is time to be real, and you get an alert on your phone, and for two minutes, you take a picture of yourself, a selfie, and then a picture outward of what you're looking at, and you share that with your friends. And then once you do that, you can see other people's be real moments and you can engage with them in conversation. And it's just a really cool thing that brings people together for that moment where you can be real. And he said, isn't that a great application for what we're talking about today? When we're getting a chance to share our testimony, the hope that is in us, we have a moment. Like 1 Peter 3.15 said, always be ready to have an answer. And so when that moment comes up, when your alert goes off and you're in a conversation where you have the chance to speak hope and speak truth and share your story about how Jesus has changed you in a very similar or different scenario, do it. This is your moment to be real. It's a beautiful thing how God connects those pieces without us even knowing it. So, in a conversation, we're being real. We're relating. We're listening. We're encouraging. We're actually sharing. And we gotta leave it up to God. And that's the hardest part for me because I, something like this, preparing to share with you today, I put all my effort into it, and I, I hope that everything goes well and it hits home, and I want feedback, and I want to know what I did well and what I could have improved, and my kids say I moved my hands too much, so I broke my record, my daughter said, seven seconds before moving my hands, and I was like, well, Anna, I'm not going to change. <laughs> She's real with me, and I appreciate that. But it's not us that saves people. We get to partner with God. We get to partner with God. We get to take that step of obedience to share in our be real moments. And then we gotta leave it up to him because Jesus is the one that saves. 
He's the one that controls the outcome. He's the one that woos people to his side. And so if we have a success and someone comes to Jesus and they decide to get baptized and they become a full-fledged member, we'll probably make a video about them. And that'll be really cool. But that's not our success. That's God's. Or if we have a perceived failure where we shared the truth and it didn't go well, it's okay. You did what God had asked you to do. Keep praying. Keep looking for opportunities to share. Don't give up. It's like that first song we sang, if, if, if I'm not dead, I'm not done. And so we don't know where that person's story continues or ends. We just need to keep being faithful to share with them when God leads us to it. And, and honestly, look at what happened to Paul as he leaves it up to God. It's not good. Verse 21. So he's finishing his, well, he didn't think he was finishing. He, he was in the middle of this speech to these people that are against him, and he's got them, and they're hearing his story, and then he says that the Lord said to me, go, I'll send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid him of the earth. He is not fit to live. And that was it. That was his chance. He did what he was supposed to. Everyone did not fall on their faces. They didn't repent. They didn't change their lives. They weren't baptized in that moment. I'll send you far away to the Gentiles. Set those strong Jewish folks off. And that same thing could happen to you. You may have shared your story. You may have encouraged them. You may have related to them. But they aren't ready. Their reply could be apathetic. It could be critical. They might push back. They might even become more violent towards you. We see this all throughout the early church, the current church, the New Testament. People oppose the gospel. My wife and four other ladies in our church went to Northern Ireland and just got back Wednesday. And so yesterday, we scheduled a time, my wife and I, we had a seven-hour date day that we had the opportunity to unpack what her week was like, and she took me through day by day. And at one point, she said, the hard may not feel safe, but Jesus is. The hard may not feel safe, but Jesus is. Sharing with that person might not feel safe, but Jesus is. And if you're a Christian, the Spirit is in you and is with you and will provide the words for you. Look at the promise in Revelation, that passage we started our morning with about the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Remember, this is a chorus from heaven. They triumphed, it says, over him. Triumphed by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea because the devil's gone down to you. He's filled with fury. He knows his time is short. When we share our testimony, when we don't shrink back, when we love God more than our lives, the heavens rejoice because they see the whole picture. We are but a vapor. We are a blip on the map of eternity, we feel like our lives are super important and, and so much is going on and everything I say or do has consequences, all that, there's truth to that. But in the light of eternity, where heaven is looking down, that glimpse that we got, that they see this cosmic battle and they see when we share our story and how good we see God is, 
they rejoice and they say, he gets it, she gets it. And look, they're doing damage to the enemy and we know we're gonna win at the end. That's not, the, the battle, the end is not the goal. It's the moment by moment, each life that is being impacted, each person that is being saved. That's what happens when you share your story. Because the devil's time is short. So let's make heavens rejoice. What if Kingsway was a church that was known for sharing our story? What if people saw us in Walmart and they heard we went to Kingsway and they said, oh man, I wanna hear your story because I hear you people just have these great stories. What if we did that? What difference would that make to Avon, to our community? The war that we are waging against the enemy. According to Revelation 12, when I've received Jesus, his blood, the blood of the lamb, and I am sharing my testimony, I am victorious over the enemy. I went to a Salvation Army church in college. I didn't even know Salvation Army was a church. <laughs> I just thought it was a charitable organization. And our pastor there was Carl Avery, some 25 years ago or whatever it was when I went to college. And one Sunday, me and my buddies were there, and he said, salvation means we win. And we all chuckled about it. And we're like, ha, that's cute, you know. And here I am 25 years later, and it is so true. When we are saved by Jesus, we win. The battle is over, but the battle is still going on. We've won the war. We're in heaven with Jesus. It's the, the, all, the kingdom of the already, but the not yet, like Pastor Matt talked about last week. We are victorious now, even if we don't see it. So Christians in the room, share your story. We're gonna give you an opportunity during this song to pray for perhaps a name that's in your mind or on the stage or on the pillars. Back in February during Relentless Pursuit, Pastor Matt challenged us to write down a name we're praying for that will come to know Jesus. And so during this song, we want you to get up. We want you to write new names. There's markers. We want you to pray for those opportunities where you can share if you're a Christian today. If you're not a Christian, if you're wearing perhaps a t-shirt that says Christian, but you have not surrendered your life to him, you have not accepted his forgiveness, you have not said, I repent of that part of my life, I'm ready to meet Jesus, and I want you to take me the rest of the way. If you've not been baptized by immersion where you have publicly Proclaim Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Today's your day. Come talk to our Connect team. Come talk. He's calling you. You want a story. He's going to use you in mighty ways. Would you stand with me as we pray? Oh, Father, the great storyteller, the great story writer, thank you for how you have written my story. Thank you that each person in this room has a story that you are writing, that you are crafting, that you are putting dots to I's and crossing T's. God, thank you. And I pray for those of us that are Christians, that even today you give us an opportunity to share the hope that we have in you. And for those in the room or watching at home online that don't know you yet, Jesus, would you just draw their hearts in right now? Tell them you love them and let them know you have a future for them. We love you. We pray it on the powerful blood and name of Jesus. Amen.